Okay. So it's past five o'clock. Um, we are on Wednesday, the 28th of April. And this is, as you can see behind me, Web Wednesday, uh, originally started in Hong Kong 2006. And this is about my 133rd interview. So that kind of feels like it's a good number. And uh, I came across Sharon recently um, in one of these events. And I thought, this is brilliant. This is really fascinating because typically, um, Alibaba folk uh, are quite hard to to uh, to get in front of a screen, but as you can see, Sharon is very approachable, which I really appreciate. Uh, in fact, I think the last time I met somebody from Alibaba was Jack Ma presenting at Hong Kong U here, so he was also a little bit hard to get on on stage, but he was there. So um, I wanted to use the opportunity to um, basically explain for Sharon to explain what Alibaba's goals are with Hong Kong. Uh, obviously, we want to get to know her a little bit first. So just to give you guys a feel for what we'll do today, um, I, I'm going to try and extend it to 6.30 if that's okay with you guys, because um, I think there'll be a lot of questions at the end, okay? So uh, in the meantime, what I'd like to do is basically have a set of questions I'm going to go through with Sharon, to understand what she does, what she's going to do in Hong Kong, and the benefits I think there's several angles here. There's a benefit for uh, the consumers of Hong Kong, uh, which we can get onto. Obviously, the merchants of Hong Kong. And I also think the advertisers of Hong Kong, it's an interesting gang there. Um, so we can talk about that. So let's get into it. Sharon, um, I should say to you, hola, because you speak Spanish, apparently, according to your LinkedIn profile. You also speak French, so bonjour. <laughs> And uh, obviously Mandarin, yeah. So um, you, you, I would like to know. We'd like to know a little bit more about you before we kind of get our teeth into this. Um, I see you're one of these people that has uh, amazing academic talent, right? You've, uh, if I look at your LinkedIn, you, you've been involved in all kinds of uh, out of school events and things like that. You, um, you, you won several hackathons. So you've come from the startup world and you even did your own version of The Apprentice, which I hope Donald Trump didn't join. So you won that. Uh, how did you tell us, how did you go from working for Australians in New York, Telstra, to working uh, in China? Is that where you're from originally, Hangzhou? It is not. Um, the city that I was born in is called Dalian in the Northeast in China. Um, it is a seafood city. Um, definitely ping me if ever anyone is about to go and visit. But no, um, I was not born in Hangzhou. I came here specifically because of a program that was set up by Ali. Um, it was an initiative to globalize the company. And so I was one of the many foreigners that came to Hangzhou to live here. So you consider yourself a foreigner? You're, you're a, an American or a Canadian? Or? I mean, I, I guess that's a very interesting question, foreigner or Chinese. I get that asked a lot. Um, I say, so in the US, I get asked, where are you from? Because of my Asian face. But then I have a very American accent. So that also sort of confuses people. And then when I'm in China, um, I also get, get asked, more so where are you from within China? Um, but people's ears always perk up when they hear my English, which is 
not, I guess, what a typical Chinese person sounds like when they speak English. Um, I'd like to say I'm a citizen of the world, <laughs> belonging to neither country. <laughs> um, nice. But yes, no, I, I was, but to, for, for, for the sake of answering your question, I was born here in China, uh, but grew up in, I spent a lot of time in Canada before uh, working and studying in the U.S. And now I'm back here. In- so you're, I guess you're one of the Haikwe, right? You're from the next generation of Haikwe, returning turtles, although that's not very... Yes, if you must put a term to it. <laughs> yeah, if you must. I'll I don't want that. to. Anyway, so how did you get, how did you go from, I'm very curious, how did you get involved in the whole Alibaba, Ali, God, I said again, Alibaba group? Um, you know, having worked for Telstra in, in New York, where did that, where did that come up? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Because I know Alibaba is quite famous for hiring kind of young, smart people from all over the world to, to grow their business. Yeah, so this was about, wow, what is it, four years ago by now? Um, uh, I was approached actually on LinkedIn. So what Ali did in terms of hiring um, is they looked at a set of people on LinkedIn. I think they did want certain people below a certain age for sure and was with a certain type of background. So I think they had some sort of requirement with um, where they were from, what they were doing, what type of role. And so they, they basically sent out an invitation message to the, I don't know, thousands or 10,000 uh, people. Um, I was in New York at the time uh, when I got the message and uh, it was then a message uh, about an information session set up at one of the Chinese American museums that we have in Manhattan. It's a very famous museum. Um, I went uh, not really knowing what to expect. Um, And then coincidentally, when I was there, um, I actually uh, saw a a high school classmate from Vancouver. Um, And she was like, oh, are you applying to this thing? Are you applying to this company? Or did you, were you interested? I was like, "Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I I was just there to um, gather some information. Just just similar to how I guess a lot of people are online today. Um, to learn. Um, So met some Alibaba uh, senior executives there. Um, That was that was the thing that kicked it all off, I guess. So you've you got straight into did you go Alibaba is a large organization, right? And growing all day, all the time. So did you go straight into the Tmall side of the business, the the, uh, retail side of the business? Or did you were you on a kind of fast pace uh, management? kind of uh, introduction to the whole organization? Yeah, so uh, the program had a rotational aspect to it. So I started off in Tmall Global. Um, So Tmall Global, for those of you who don't know, is the arm of the Alibaba business that deals with foreign brands, specifically brands that are outside of China, uh, mostly. Uh, because in Tmall Classic, which is a sort of sister business unit, uh, that BU will also have what we call foreign brands, but those foreign brands are very, very established already in China. So they might have already had an office in China. They probably also have a China team. Um, So those are the two differentiators. And so I was in the Tmall Global side where I think we were much more attuned to how these foreign brands are not so acquainted with the entire Chinese e-commerce system and how everything is set up. So 
Um, I think we were put there because it's very easy for us to empathize with them, um, the, the set of people that I was with working. Um, so that was my first sort of rotation. And then my next rotation was in Ant Financial. Um, so I was also there. So after those two rotations, we sort of had to choose uh, between where we wanted to stay. And I, in the end, chose e-commerce because that's where I found my passion and what I like about uh, working every day. Um, so now the team that I'm in, the team that built Tmall Hong Kong, is back inside the Tmall global sphere. Very nice. So, I mean, getting into, into that's a nice journey. Obviously, it's good to see, you know, large Chinese companies kind of giving people that rotation. You know, in Hong Kong, we're very used to seeing this happening with the, I guess you call them the Taipans, right? The Swires and the Jardines and the big companies who hire from the top schools, then rotate people, right? So it's good to know that they recruited you off LinkedIn. Was it LinkedIn, you said? You got a message. Great Very tool. nice. <laughs> Great tool. Yeah, I think we have a member of Alex Cibois should be on here, LinkedIn guy. Um, so let's get into, you know, what you're doing in Hong Kong, right? I mean, I've, I've been in Hong Kong since 93 and, you know, pushing digital since 97 and e-commerce the last seven years. And uh, Hong Kong is one of these places that beginning people go, well, no, e-commerce isn't going to work. It's too small. Uh, Jimmy Lai was the first guy who did it because he had little vans in the dot-com boom days rushing around delivering stuff. But the problem was people didn't have the habit of buying online. So he had the whole infrastructure without the purchases, which was kind of backwards, right? Um, now, you, you shared with me, you know, some, some information. I mean, in Hong Kong, I shared a deck with you guys or a slide from iPrice. But it's quite interesting because obviously... You know, Hong Kong tends to have a habit of buying product from overseas, right? We're very good at buying fashion and cosmetics from, you know, far-fetch, whatever. Uh, but now uh, the local market has, has really grown, uh, I guess, thanks to people like, uh, like uh, Hong Kong TV Mall, right? Uh, and they kind of taught us how to, how to buy online. Now, you shared with us some interesting stats uh maybe you'd like to expand a little bit upon that because obviously before kind of launching in hong kong what what were the kind of numbers that you were looking at that made it a viable business so actually the reason why we looked at hong kong um, is primarily because of the pandemic um i mean as we all know that uh the hong kong retail market is not a immature one by, by any means. Uh, a lot of businesses have set up offline shops and also their online businesses and dot-coms for many, many years now. And, and all of that is actually very mature. However, the advent of marketplaces is not, um, is, an, is an untapped space for us. Um, HKTV Mall is a very formidable player there in, in Hong Kong. And so during that pandemic, uh, when a lot of people were trapped inside their homes or did not wish to go out to shop, um, a lot of offline shops also cut their opening hours. So a lot of those signals told us as a company um, to look at perhaps Hong Kong as a consumer market to build a larger footprint for online, specifically online marketplaces. So um, there's also a lot of uh, tourists that usually go to Hong Kong, which makes up a lot of Hong Kong's retail market. Um, and, uh, and, and then of course, during the pandemic, that is sort of gone. 
Um, but also just from sort of gone. So, sort of gone. You say sitting in China, sort of gone. Uh, Hong Kong would just only up very slowly, but not not quite yet. The good thing about Hong Kong is people haven't stopped going to shopping malls. That's it, Hong Kong is like it's like onions in India. If you and took actually, away onions, there would be a revolution. In May, uh, during May fifteenth, I believe, if you are living in the mainland, you are. Uh, open to go back to Hong Kong without a vaccine or um, quarantine is what I heard as a that's right that's right right so maybe that will recover which is which is very good because we we traditionally get you know um, I mean I think before COVID it's about 50 million tourists from just from China so that's you know almost an extra million people coming into a city of seven million people every week sorry every week right so it's a significant amount of people, right? So, I mean, you shared some numbers saying that retail sales were down 11% last year, right? But local consumption was up 7.5. So I guess that helped you decide on Hong Kong. Um, what other reasons made you think of Hong Kong? So since the advent of Taobao, um, Hong Kong consumers were able to use Taobao as an app to shop from the, the a current, the same app that the mainland people use. And so we have already a decent uh, amount of users there, except a lot of these users are shopping in a cross-border fashion. So what they're doing is um, picking out the certain items that they want to buy, and then either using their own logistics method uh, or using our own, which is something that the team had only recently opened up. So using our official Tainiao Logistics as a provider to ship the goods over from mainland to Hong Kong. Um, so, so we already have a, a, a decent amount of users there. Adam, interest, how many, are you allowed to share how many users you have? Because I'm, I'm one of them. I'm a regular buyer on Taobao. That's great. What, what do you buy on Taobao? Uh, if I tell you, you will profile me. I buy kids' toys. We would toys. already profile you. <laughs> <laughs> I buy kids' toys. I buy, uh, you know, electronic goods. Uh, I buy furniture. Um, but the challenge in Hong Kong when you're buying from China is getting it delivered uh, to your home, right? If you deliver to an office, it's a small item. It's okay. If it's a large piece of furniture, you have to go through third-party logistics people who don't speak English. But so if you're a Chinese writer or speaker like myself, uh, you know, you kind of engage via Taobao and it's a great way to, to build that. But a lot of people don't, right? So they rely on third parties. But out of interest, how many, I mean, are you, how many Hong Kongers are there actually actively using? What's the monthly active users of Taobao in Hong Kong? Um, monthly active user, we, well, if, if you have already um, looked at that deck, you would know that we have around 960,000. That number is uh, constantly being updated and changed. Um, so that's our, that's our sort of daily active user count. Okay, so you see Taobao, you see you've got 900,000. And you're going, okay, there's a market in Hong Kong. So then what then brings you? Obviously, COVID changes people's habits. I mean, here, you know, COVID and obviously the logistics too. One thing I've noticed is that in Hong Kong, although it's a highly convenient place, COVID has forced people to just try, you know, go out their door and buy something a few steps across the road or have it delivered. So um, 
And we have obviously, you know, SF Express, we have Lalamove, GoGo, Van, all these, you know, all kinds of networks of delivery going on. Um, where do you see, where do you see, is this what made it the right time to move in for Timor? Yeah, I think timing is definitely, uh, so I think um, we always thought about going more localized. So, so first of all, when we're doing Tmall Hong Kong, internally, there's a term called uh, which, which means local to local, as mm -hmm. opposed to cross-border. So back to the Tmall Global versus Tmall Classic comparison that I talked about earlier, Tmall Global is largely what we call a cross-border business, and Tmall Classic is what we call a local to local business. So when we're talking about Tmall Hong Kong and going into more local to local, the pandemic definitely had a lot to do with it, but more so because of our existing users um, and the current logistics uh, sort of um, uh, empty space uh, in terms of need there. Um, we know that a lot of consumers are waiting for a long time to get their orders delivered. I, I don't know when you're ordering furniture or uh, kids' toys, how long you're waiting to have your orders arrive to you. Um, yeah, three to five have... days. Sometimes it gets stuck at yeah. customs. Sometimes they have extra inspections at customs, which is very frustrating because, you know, it's very hard to bitch at somebody on, on Taobao, on Aliwang, whatever, um, in a second language. So, yeah. That too. There's, there is a delay. And then there's the localized services piece, right? Because a lot of Hong Kong uh, would prefer to read either traditional Chinese or English. Mm. And the entire Taobao app is all in, by default, simplified Chinese because mm. the mainland, that's the primary uh, language use there. So all of those things. So when we're saying we want to go local to local, we want to localize the products, the delivery, the service, um, maybe also the marketing side of things. Um, so all of those things are, are being localized um, when, we're, when we're heading into the market, if you will. That's great. I, I guess um, one of the things that fascinates me too is, you know, uh, is, that you've got Taobao as a brand, right? And you have, in Southeast Asia, you've got Lazada, right? So Lazada has gone into to other markets, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, et cetera. Um, why would you not use Lazada rather than the, the T-Mall? Is it just because we're, we're more comfortable with T-Mall here? The, it's the cat logo, Tianmao. What, what, is, what is the reason that uh, you didn't bring the Lazada? Because it, it I always thought that Lazada was becoming the kind of overseas well, in Southeast Asia anyway. I mean, I know you've got AliExpress for, I say, uh, Europe and Latin America, right? Well, why not Lazada? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think you basically um, hit the nail on the head. So Tmall consumers will know of, or I'm sorry, Hong Kong consumers will know of the Tmall name much, yeah. much more than they would know the Lazada name. Mm. Um, Lazada right now is uh, pretty much the... Uh, main B2C marketplace or the Tmall, if you will, of Southeast Asia, and it will continue to be so. If Lazada were to expand, they would probably go into more South Asia, Southeast Asian-esque type of countries. Mm. Um, and internally from, a, from an organization hierarchy um, division, that's also very cleanly uh, organized where 
Southeast Asian merchants, Southeast Asian consumers will be managed by the Southeast Asian marketplace, and that would be Lazada. Um, so the people in uh, Hong Kong, for instance, will will take on the Tmall brand. So Tmall is a greater China play, right? Including Taiwan, I guess. Is there a Tmall in Taiwan? So Taiwan users will most likely use Taobao. Okay. Right. So anytime we're outside of China, um, so first of all, and this is also sometimes um, uh, asked a lot with uh, merchants and brands, uh, is the difference between Taobao and Tmall. So uh, Taobao is where um, a lot of people will enter the what we call the Taoxi ecosystem. Um, so you are able to buy Tmall products inside Taobao, the app but you cannot find a Taobao product inside the Tmall app. So overseas and overseas markets, we notice the exact same thing. Uh, the number of Taobao users versus Tmall users, Tmall app users are tenfold, a hundredfold. Got it. And, and yes, um, so, 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 so sorry, Taobao is, is absolutely used in, in other places like Taiwan, like Hong Kong. So does Taiwan have does Taiwan have a million plus people buying from uh, or more? I mean, the population of Taiwan is what twenty million, right, or so? Right. So. Right. Taiwan is about twenty some million in in, in population, um, and we cover a good amount of those. I would say about a quarter or so are users. So actually, we do have a bit more users in Taiwan comparatively, but they they sort of go head to head. Yeah. So tell us, let's, let's talk a little bit about the environment here. I mean, we, you know, we've had HKTV Mall kind of go in and a lot of their, their investment has been in, in uh, the logistics to support it, right? I have to say that the shopping experience is, is not one of the best. I know you can't say this, but I can. The, the, the Hong Kong TV Mall app and shopping experience is a bit clumsy. It reminds me of kind of websites in the, in the, in the 2000s, in the dot-com boom days. But... Um, Obviously, a lot of this has moved into mobile and ordering uh, through mobile, the whole interface. Tell us how a consumer is going to enjoy uh, Tmall uh, here in Hong Kong. I mean, I'm, I'm already, uh, funny enough, I tried to show the Tmall Hong Kong version to some of my friends, but not everybody has access to it. Mm -hmm. I know I'm a very important person, so of course you gave me primary access. <laughs> but um, maybe you could explain how that, how you're going to, I mean, if you've got, what, 960,000 people a month using Taobao, I guess your first target is your low-hanging fruit is to get them to convert across or, or use both, right? Yeah, so um, this is another point of uh, contention or confusion is, so we are going to be advertising ourselves as Tmall Hong Kong with a Tmall uh, brand. Um, however, a lot of the consumers will be accessing us and our products via the Taobao app. So we mm. will exist as uh, translated a mini program um, inside the Taobao app. So there is going to be okay. a button that you click. And then after you click the button, uh, the entire page will be in uh, local traditional Chinese and it will be local merchants. So local Hong Kong merchants instead of the mainland merchants that a Hong Kong user would normally see. Um, and then there's going to be sort of a, a cursor on the upper right um, corner 
Um, I see someone just. Yeah, no, I just, I just, I just sent a link to my blog post about the the screenshots of this. Uh, I yeah, mean, as we're chatting, I don't visual. think we need to go through it in great detail, but I think just the, the fact that you're using your way to the market using the Tabao app and inviting people to basically, they'll have a choice across the top of their screen saying, you know, go from cross-border to Bundi, right? So they'll be going local. Uh, so how will, you, how, will you, how will you be converting? And that's obviously a low-hanging fruit. How are you going to recruit lots of new, new users? I mean, we have a market of what, what is it, 4 million people actively online here. Uh, so how are you going to recruit new users? So we'll have our own sort of uh, or uh, invitation for uh, new users to come and shop. Um, so we'll have some sort of new user coupon that we'll uh, get going and um, um, spread uh, or advertise. Um, we are going to be mainly focusing on online advertising instead of mm. offline. So although uh, for certain campaigns, so the next campaign that we have is 618, so June 18th. And then the next big, big one we'll have is double 11, so November 11th. So during sort of what we, those are what we call internally S-level campaigns. Uh, during those S-level campaigns, we'll have more offline advertising. So putting up uh, the billboards and having a logo splashed across. Um, trams. It's all about trams in Hong Kong, right? And whatnot. Trams. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, trams, so tell me that. So, so when's the official launch? When, when do you, because not everybody has access at the moment. When's the official launch? When will everybody we'll be, be launching, given access? We'll, we'll be launching beginning of May. So for us, okay. yeah, so internally we call this um, a, a uh, so we're, we're doing a lot of tests right now. So yeah. for people like you, uh, Napoleon, who has already have access, uh, once you're clicking on certain brands or looking at certain items, we are trying to assess uh, and look at what are the brands that people are interested in? What are they searching for? What are their needs? Um, that, that are not being fulfilled from a traditional offline store in Hong Kong. Um, so so we're, we're taking in all of that. Um, and so it's a, it's a gradual opening. So more and more people will be able to uh, see it. And what is the promise to, so the, the, the access is coming through Tabao. Um, does that mean that you will eventually migrate across to a, a different, because Tmall uh, does have, I mean, there's a VIP version of Tabao, which, which I've been invited to for some strange reason. But it seems to be different. Is there, will there be a local app, do you think, in the end? Or is it all going to be one kind of mini program access? A bit yeah. like the, the kind of WeChat world. Um, at this moment, it will be a like a mini program experience. Yeah. Um, because if we were to build a whole other app, there's a, there's a lot of underlying product that needs to be built there for the mm. entire experience to be smooth. Yeah, and um, that's another, you know, and, and we also know how competitive it is in the app world and the app space of um, getting a user to download another app that's however many megabytes. I mean, even for ourselves, right, when we are going about our day to day for, um, especially if your phone doesn't have that space available to have another app, um, it's a it's a decision that, that these users have to make. So um, in the, in the, for, for the foreseeable future, it will be a mini program. 
And then what, so what, what is, I mean, I understand the thing about mobile, you know, the classic thing is like, we have, well, I don't know, most people use seven regularly, right? We have 20, 50, whatever, that's just, that's yeah, that's the number that Google says, but you know, that's Google. Um, so what I'd like to know is, is uh, so what is the promise to the consumer here? So you've got, you've got the kind of ease of access, right? Um, I guess in e-commerce, another thing that people care about is choice, you know, good price, easy to pay, you know, delivered quickly, uh, good customer service. And I have to say, one of the things that's very difficult on Taobao ordering across border is, is sometimes actually the customer service is really good, uh, but it's very time consuming. And the, the delivery part is, you know, has bits and bobs. Uh, so what, what is your, going to be your promise to, to the market here? Our goal is definitely to provide consumers with a with an easy shopping experience. So the biggest change I would say is delivery. So instead of having everyone wait for their orders that they've ordered from the mainland for three to five days or it being stuck in customs and maybe having it more, the goal is to uh, do next day delivery or uh, uh, or a delivery range that's, that's even shorter. So same day delivery or even shorter than that, but that will be um, something that we'll do in the future. And then um, a returns process. So this is also something that we noticed when we were doing um, studies and research on current uh, e-commerce websites uh, from brands in Hong Kong is the returns process is very convoluted and it's mm -hmm. very hard to do. Actually, a lot of brands don't even accept returns at all. Yeah. Um, that was actually something that uh, we found very surprising because in the mainland, uh, in, in the Tmall world, not in the Taobao world, but in the Tmall world, uh, when merchants sign up to become part of Tmall, they are automatically having to accept the clause of seven-day easy and carefree return. Um, and what it means is you don't really have to find a, tech, uh, a problem with the product um, if you got it and you just don't like it because it, because of whatever reason you can um, apply for it to, to get it returned. Um, so uh, before you used to actually need the, the merchant to accept your application and then for you to facilitate the return. Now, um, as a consumer, you sort of click the apply button and it's automatically approved. So it, it makes online shopping just very easy for consumers um, to a point where if you were to buy fashion, for instance, um, when you're buying uh, fashion online, you sort of don't really know what size uh, you should be, whether you're uh, a medium, a large, an extra, extra large. So what we see a lot of consumers do is actually buy certain clothing for two sizes. So both sizes will arrive. They'll try them on at home um, and then return the other one with the uh, seven-day carefree return policy. And so that really boosted a lot of um, sales from the merchant side. Um, and so, and it also boosted it. Um, it also won a lot of trust from the consumer side. Because mm. as a consumer, we know that okay, if I buy something and um, it doesn't really, uh, you know, fit, um, I can easily return this. So that sort of ease of return um, is also something that we want to bring to the Hong Kong market. To that, that's very interesting. Is that's not really a 
I see some questions coming in. What we'll do is uh, you can put them there and then at the end I'll, I'll ask you to ask them directly to Sharon. But I, that's very interesting is um, you're right. The, the kind of returns industry, you know, typically brands are a little bit nervous about it because it seems like it costs a lot of money, right? You have to pay for the, the transport in and out, right? I mean, that costs Hong Kong, although it's a small place, for some reason, you know, delivery is still not cheap. Um, and then the other thing is I've been to a lot of these, these, uh, um, you know, e-commerce conferences when they used to exist. And it was always about how do, what do millennials look for in retail? And it was quite interesting. There were two key points there with free shipping and free returns. So you're, you're handling the kind of free returns thing, which would be quite interesting because if I'm going to go partying, I might buy an outfit and then return it that, you know, a few days later. Um, but I'm, I'm also wondering from the, from the shipping side of things. I mean, I, you know, my, I looked at your, your app and I tried to order some stuff and, so you have thresholds that have to be met, like 199 Hong Kong to deliver, you know, uh, or to pick up, right, from a from a, a, a collection booth or or whatever, and then 399 for delivery. What? Why are you doing that? Why not just make it free shipping? Is it to avoid oh. people playing the system, or what's the reason for that? No, the exact reason is just the one that you just said, which is the delivery cost in Hong Kong is actually quite high. Um, so from our experience, when we're looking at delivery costs in the mainland, it's about, say, depending on where things are going from point A to point B, and also the weight, maybe three to a maximum of 20, three, uh, three to 20 quai, so RMB per mm. uh, order. And that's our, and, and the mainland, the distances in the mainland is, is it could be thousands of kilometers. Right versus Hong Kong, your sort of starting delivery price is already at 20. So if you're delivering an order for 20 HK dollars, um, that's already pretty good um, from a, if we're looking at quotes from local logistics companies. Mm. So if we had no threshold, then um, it would, we can't sort of survive as a business. So we had to have had a, a threshold there. Um, being 199 at a pickup locker, so that um, so that orders are a lot more concentrated because pickup because pickup lockers uh, serve usually a small community, a um, bit more environmental too, so that um, consumers are actually walking to the pickup locker to pick up their their good. But of course, if the consumer uh, wants the item delivered straight to the home, we can also do that, but just at a higher threshold. So that threshold is three ninety nine. So it's um, a double. And that's that's so that's you've got so you've got the the shipping. We've got the free returns, and then um, I guess what I can see is you're going flash sales, right? You're it's going to be mm -hmm. a crazy flash sales, you know. And everybody in Hong Kong likes that just so, right? We're all about. Jetso, which I don't know if you know Cantonese, but that's you know, discount kind of discount, discount, right? Mm -hmm. Joko, right? So um, I see even the app now you've got the kind of flash sales going on. So tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, how you how are you gonna work in that area? Is that just is that kind of learning from the 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 Alibaba experience in China, which is always event driven? It seems very event discount driven, which, which you know, makes, we'll talk about, about brands later, but I'm just talking about the consumer perspective at the moment. Yeah, so with the thing with the flash sale is we want to have um, basically a first come first serve sort of uh, mechanism with consumers. 
um, where it, it's set at a certain time for a very limited quantity. And there are a, a lot of very good deals. So if you're a consumer, I, I definitely encourage you to look on the app to see what is the sort of deal of the day. And from a notification perspective, we, uh, I believe starting in, at least in May, maybe next week or the week after that, we'll have announcements of when things will go on a flash sale so that as a consumer, you can sort of notice, oh, uh, at a certain time, I need to come into the app and check the app and buy a certain item for very cheap. Yeah, what I saw was 10 o'clock in the morning. So I, what you're going to do is you're just going to disrupt this whole work from home thing that we've all got used to. You're now going to no, disrupt this even. No, I think it's a good even... addition. <laughs> you're, you're, you're taking every a coffee break now. or something. Every, yeah, every office is going to be <laughs> there in a chat-on thing with their phones going nuts, trying to get the, uh, the jutso that's of the moment. Um, so let's go, let's go into, the, into the merchant side of things, right? Because you, you deal a lot with that. One of the reasons you know, we wanted to talk and I wanted to talk was learn a bit more about the merchant side. And we have, you know, we have a few merchants or potential merchants uh, on board here, right? So I guess what, what you know, as you're, if you're a merchant in Hong Kong, you, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you've got various markets you can go to, you've got your traditional distributors, you know, if you're electric, electronics, you're doing Fortress, whatever, Watsons, etc. cetera. Uh, you used to have a PCCW or uh, tried to launch Habits, which was a, a kind of marketplace that went nowhere. You've got Zidor and you've got various kind of things going on. What, what is the appeal for a merchant to work with you? Um, specifically for Timo Hong Kong, I think yeah. if you have goods already located in uh, Hong Kong and, uh, as a physical space, we definitely welcome you to explore the option of working with us. Um, but and for I think a lot of merchants, the biggest benefit that we have thus far come to realize is the amount of people that's already shopping on the app. Um, so we're not a, you know, like a uniqlo.com or a um, farfetch.com where we're specifically selling either a particular brand or type of category. We're an all-round marketplace. So no matter what you're selling, whether that's uh, beauty, fashion, electronics, food, um, we welcome all type of categories um, because our goal is to become sort of the one-stop shop. Um, for an online mall or mirroring that of an offline mall. Um, so um, that is uh, probably the biggest appeal. So a condition, a condition is to have inventory here in Hong Kong, right? You're, yes, you're, it's not, you're not doing, so you're not doing the cross-border. Condition is there's inventory in Hong Kong and uh, they deliver it to your warehouse and you, you push it out or it's, it's where it has it, does it drop ship from that warehouse? How is it done? What are the logistics? Uh, We've got a few logistics people in here. I'm sure they have some yeah. different questions later. But mm -hmm. um, uh, So in year one, so in this year, we will not be opening up our own storage space, so a warehouse, if you will. Um, the logistics plans that we have is for the merchants to either ship directly to the consumer or for the merchant to just use our logistics provider, Tainiao. So if you are a merchant that has absolutely no logistics uh, capability, um, once there's an order at the back end, uh, there's a button that you press to have Tanya come at a certain time to your warehouse and come pick that up. 
Um, so so Tiny Ao is, is mature in Hong Kong. Is it as mature in Hong Kong as it is in China? I wasn't aware of. I'm oh, not on the logistics. Sure. It's for it's sure, for sure. The Tiny Ao is not at the same level um, in yeah. Hong Kong as the main. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd probably working with third parties. They are, right, right. So a lot of it is third parties working with local players um, and building out that logistics network. Yeah. And then as, as a merchant, are you, is it the team all, it's all store based. So you're, you're giving the merchants their own store, their own branded store. It's kind of mm-hmm. t- similar to Timor Global and it's your own branded store and, you know, it's branded however you want it. And you as a merchant manage that yourself. You have a whole kind of then, uh, I guess, you know, reseller or seller ecosystem that goes behind it. Is that, is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do very much want to work with brands and brands directly uh, if, if the opportunity allows. Um, because when we're doing things like super brand days or marketing events, it's, it's always a lot easier to work directly with a brand as opposed to a brand's designated distributor or um, another um, uh, channel seller or seller from another channel. But in China, there's a lot of trade partners, right? I mean, as far as I can see, Tabao, you know, ride on the TPs, right? The trade partners to kind of Baozun and all these guys. So yeah, surely yeah, you yeah, need yeah. them to kind of help run these, these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. TPs for us are a, a partner for us. Okay. Uh, so we lean on TPs to open stores, help the brand, upload products, decorate the stores, um, be involved in the day-to-day application of certain campaigns. Um, yes, for sure. So what does it take to become a TP? Uh, a TP for Tmall Hong Kong specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a team that is in charge of what they call uh, building a marketplace of services. So Tmall Hong Kong is a marketplace of products, um, yeah. and then we have a marketplace of services, uh, specifically B two B services. Um, so um, that a team basically uh, takes on an application. Uh, there's an application form that this company fills out, tells us how many years they've been in place, uh, what clients they've handled before, perhaps uh, what Tmall or Tmall Global stores they've also handled in the past, what was the result of that. Um, so there's a vetting process, and then there's, a, there's an interview process with the leadership of the company. Um, and then if all goes well, you're sort of part of that ecosystem. Interesting. And let's just go back to, I'm just thinking about the ecosystem again, is one of the reasons that, that Taba works well is if you have a, you know, an Alipay or Jifubao account, right? So Hong Kong, I don't think, I know there's an Alipay Hong Kong, but I, I don't know the numbers for Alipay Hong Kong, but I don't think it's obviously as widespread. So how, how does it work from the, the kind of payment side of things? That's obviously an important thing here, right? In Hong Kong, in the last year, all these, all these value-added service uh, licenses have been given out and there's, you know, there's basically digital wallets falling out of trees. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, in terms of Alipay and it's, it's, it's got a lot more aggressive in terms of penetration into the market here. Do you rely on, on, because one of the strange things about buying from China is you have to kind of get the right account. You can use credit cards and things like that. So yeah. how are you going to open it? I mean, payment is an important part in opening it up to the market here. So how are you going to tackle that issue? Uh, in terms of payments, well, um, good thing is, or or, um, or 
currently as it stands, is that we're, our team is, is uh, only in charge of the merchant piece. So okay. the Alipay HK team is a whole separate team. Um, that team will be in charge of several things. So there is the uh, online merchants that they deal with. So uh, any merchants that want to use Alipay online, there is also an offline piece to their business. So all the merchants in Hong Kong that wish to implement the Alipay QR code in their offline stores. And then another piece is what we call the Alipay Hong Kong wallet. So similar how uh, in the mainland, a lot of mainland users are using Alipay to pay uh, uh, online, um, online and offline. There is a team that's built the, the, a similar product called Alipay HK. Um, and having that as a separate app uh, for specifically for Hong Kong users uh, to use as a digital wallet. So um, our marketplace, however, will be able to integrate with all of those choices. So as a marketplace, when you're checking out, we don't want to limit your uh, payment option. Uh, so we want to... Uh, have you use your credit cards if you're comfortable using credit cards we want you to be able to use alipay uh, if you're comfortable using that wallet on a day-to-day -day basis. pay me pay me seems to make me some inroads yeah, interesting that's very open and then uh, yeah. i want to get back to, to the, this kind of marketplace experience one thing that's that's really the rest of the world is copying is the whole kind of uh kol live streaming uh, review when i whenever i buy off tabao i really really appreciate going in and seeing what other people have said about the product, kind of building trust, seeing you know, actual real photos of the items in their homes as opposed to the fancy stuff um, and, and reviews, right? So tell me, is that, are you gonna be launching with all of that, all of that capability as well? And will there be, I mean, in China, the difference is that, that you know, Alibaba bought Weibo, right? So there's a whole kind of live streaming social element embedded Whereas in, in Hong Kong, Weibo is, is you know it's not not as you know not as widespread it used to be, but I think it's kind of fallen by the wayside. How how is that whole live streaming social commerce side going to kick in? Yeah, um, so live streaming is very interesting because what we're noticing is a lot of our Hong Kong users are actually watching live stream rooms that's uh, streaming from the mainland. Um, so from an app perspective, we're going to open that up as a new uh, sort of um, button that you can tap and watch uh, certain live stream rooms that's happening in the mainland, um, whereas before that option was actually not cleanly available in the homepage. Um, and are we going to be doing a Hong Kong version? Probably, definitely so. Um, however, as of today, we won't have that, um, that button up here on the homepage. Mm. Um, so in the present day, if brands are interested in uh, working with us for a live streaming purposes, we definitely welcome those opportunities, but they will be live streaming on another platform such as Facebook Live or Instagram Live. Oh, so you'll be incorporating Facebook and Instagram into, into mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah. That must be a, yeah. isn't that a first for, for Timor? Does that happen with, with AliExpress, I don't know. Is it, is it is it integrated into other markets? Uh, I believe so. I think well, AliExpress AliExpress has its own live stream sort of okay. product. Yeah. So as a uh, as an AliExpress 
user, you can, there's a, there's a button to watch the live stream. Yeah. So you can go directly into that room um, to watch them. Um, but yes, definitely for all of the overseas businesses and apps. So ours, Aliexpress, Lazada, there's a lot of integration between us and Facebook and Google. Um, just because those are the prominent apps or websites that's being used. And, these are and how much, how much are you going to charge? How much are you going to take as a marketplace? Usually it's what between five and 10%, right? Seven, nine. What, what's your, what, how do you make money from this? Uh, how do platforms make money? No, how will Tmall make money? Oh, in Hong Kong. Uh, so we yeah. have what we call a commission. So for every transaction that happens, we take a commission. And of, every category of what? is different. And, oh, it's different. The okay, GMB can you give us, do you have a range? I believe the range is from four to eight. Okay, that's pretty typical. Mm -hmm. What about, yeah. and, and you mentioned, you mentioned in, in the webinar, Definitely Sorry, all in our uh, websites that I can okay. share. Yeah. Yeah. If you could, I mean, there's there's a website, mm -hmm. a merchant website that you can share it up here if you want. I think it's the same one. I can share it. Um, maybe whilst you yeah. you answer the next question, I've only it's only in in uh, I think it's only in Fantasy, right? It's only in it's only in uh, traditional Chinese at the moment. Is that right? Uh, at the moment, yes. Yes. Yeah. So what, one of the other areas I, I was kind of curious about is obviously you mentioned this a little bit too, is in, in China, you know, Alibaba was originally very resistant to do, very reluctant to the kind of, it was always pure play online and then linking up to offline, the whole O2O new retail thing that Jack Ma, uh, you know, got so excited about. How do you see this part of it working in Hong Kong, the whole idea of because I mean, I'm sure some of these brands, you know, in Hong Kong, what you find is a lot of the bigger brands invest in, you know, extremely expensive uh, retail space. And there's always a conflict between online and offline that they, they still can't get their heads around. Maybe COVID shake mm -hmm. them up a bit and they kind of take it a little bit more realistic, realistically. But where, where, where are you going to, how are you going to tackle that here? I mean, you mentioned the wallets. I guess the wallets is one approach, but how else mm -hmm. are you going to tackle that? Um, so yes, the, the term for new retail that was invented by Jack Ma in 2016, and that's sort of oh, how he saw how he envisioned the retail space to be evolving inevitably, whether the consumers or merchants want it or not. That, that was sort of just his prediction, and the prediction was a synchronization between offline spaces and online spaces and for the two to intertwine and to interact with each other. Um, so that from a consumer's perspective, it's, it's, it's gonna be so blended that um, you can be looking at the, what we call the online face of a store when you're in the actual physical online store um, or vice versa. Um, and really what it is, is just, uh, it's, it's, it's creating these retail systems to be a lot more easier for consumers to shop. So uh, for example, if you were to buy something online, you don't want it anymore, you want to return it, that you can go to the store's offline store to return that product. Um, or if you are 
at home and ordering something online, um, that the delivery comes not from a main e-commerce warehouse and brand, but maybe from one of the offline stores of the brand, because that offline store contains the item that you want. And that offline store is maybe um, a kilometer away from you or, or very, very close from you so that the product doesn't have to travel from a very, very far away central location, but instead just, um, you know, be... Also, it would be faster um, if we were to synchronize the two and have products be delivered um, from a closer location. So that's something you're planning to launch here. Yeah? I mean, you don't. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's the mm -hmm. whole omni-channel because I've heard this talked about um, at many, many you know conferences, and I've spoken to many clients about it. But the whole omni-channel promise is actually quite hard to execute. Yes. Um, it is, it is quite hard to execute because of the system that's in place. Um, and it, I, I see it as very similar to how cloud, when cloud was taking off in 2012, um, whereas back in the day, every company had their own set of servers, networking equipment, storage equipment, um, sort of laid out in a basement of an IT um, uh, room. And then now, are migrating to the cloud and that also took a while um, because there were the systems that was in place and a lot of people uh, were regular were, were uh, doing business in that way and that was the norm um, but um, once a better solution has come out it's 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 a pretty natural migration um, to whatever is easier for the end user um, and so that's why a lot of these companies started out with uh, these cloud products going from physical servers to, to cloud. So I see it as something very similar to that. Where So you will be providing, T-Mobile will provide a, you'll provide a system like that in the stores? There will be an integration into the store inventory? Uh, so we won't be actually provide, we won't become a um, retail SaaS, if you will, but instead mm. we will enable you to connect the two if you want to connect your Tmall face or the Tmall flagship store to your offline um, store. We'll give you the option. We'll give you the tools for you to connect, but we won't be That's selling licenses or, or selling the software. So somebody, somebody, could run a, somebody could run a click and collect. Aaron, could you mute yourself, please, until you have a question? Somebody be running a click and collect uh, campaign through Tmall and have people pick it up from the store. Are you facilitating that as well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That okay. Is very interesting. One of the scenarios. Very interesting. So let's get into um, maybe a little bit about the data side. I mean, if if you're all okay, you started a little bit later, so maybe we can continue to about at a six thirty if possible, because I know there's a lot of questions beyond mine. Um, is that okay with you, Sharon? I actually have a. I have a cutoff at six thirty. Um, okay, so we'll cut so off at six. I'm, I'm okay yeah, we'll with, see what we can do. Uh, questions from you or the or the group. Yeah, the other side is like traditionally marketplaces are criticised for not sharing much data, uh, and I know in from people I've spoken to in China, you know, typically you can get data off of Tabao, or, but you have to kind of pay for it, or you have to have the right relationship, or or your you know your TP has to have the right relationship. So how how what's going to happen with the data side of things right especially if you're doing the kind of o2o thing what what kind of data will a merchant get and what can they do with it 
so there's a data product called Shengyi Tanmo. Uh, translated, it's, it's similar to um, the business, business, business analytics analysis, mm -hmm. yeah. basically. Um, and that is located, uh, or that is found uh, in every merchant portal. So that's a free product uh, that okay. if you were a Tmall merchant, you would uh, register in the back end and then uh, enter your username and whatnot, and it would appear. And that uh, product would show you your traffic levels um, your average order value. So what are av on average, um, what are those people buying? It'll show you a conversion rate uh, of your store. So are a lot of people coming and but no one is buying anything or are very few people coming and the majority of them are buying something. Um, it will show you your total amount of orders. Um, there are different features. So it's sort of operating also as a freemium type of um, license in that uh, there's also competitor uh, details. So you can also see um, after logging in, if somebody is visiting your store, not buying something, where did they then go to buy the product? Um, so we call that uh, a liu shi. Um, so the customer journey, you're doing the kind of customer journey through a I guess the Liu Shi is a customer journey, Not right? Not so much kind of... the full customer journey, but at least we'll be able to tell you who your major competitors are in that marketplace. And if you didn't sell a certain product to your current customer, where that customer went to go buy their, to fulfill their order. And I guess the purpose of that is that me as a merchant, I go, damn, I want that customer back. I'm going to buy some advertising. Is that the idea that I then... That then prompts me. I mean, let, let's get on to the advertising side of things. Is that is that from day one? Will there be an advertising platform for me as a merchant to take advantage of? No. So when we are first opening, we'll we'll not have that uh, capability just yet, um, because we do want to first observe what uh, a lot of merchants uh, need, um, because at the same time when we're building Tmall Hong Kong, we're uh, yes, we want to take a lot of these great examples developed in the mainland, but we also just don't want to carbon copy everything because maybe the advertising needs are completely different for a Hong Kong merchant because they use Google Analytics or Facebook yeah. ads or whatnot, that they are exactly. so entrenched in that world or they're so very much used to things. Yes, that they are. You're answering your own they... question. <laughs> Yeah, if we we're not going to go with a mentality of build it and then they will come. We want to build it as at the same pace that these merchants are, you know, giving us feedback, telling us what can actually help them um, from an advertising or analytics or data perspective. That then we we build on top of that. So um, being closer to our, to our customers as we build that product. Excellent. Well, I, I really, I really appreciate your open, uh, you know, the way you're answering these questions. So let's, let's uh, uh, take it to the floor. I see some questions have come in. Maybe what I'll do is I'll take the ones that I, I can see here on the chat. Um, let me see. Most of them are comments. Uh, we've got one with, uh, from Julia, Julia Bingle. Could you read out your question, please? Or, you know, rephrase it. Are you still here, Julia? Yes, I am. Sorry. <laughs> So go um, ahead. I, I was, uh, what was my question? So um, Your question actually, is, I'm very curious about, when, yes. yeah, go I'm ahead. very curious about when 
when you are a brand and you are already working with the TP in China, um, is, can, and the TP is taking care of your Tmail Global Flagship Store, can this be connected to Tmall Hong Kong? Or does this TP, or do we need to have a new TP for the brand in Hong Kong? Can, how does this work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, thank, thank you, Julia, for, for your question. Um, so the answer to that is we absolutely respect the choice uh, on the part of the brand. So if the brand wants to use the same TP as for the mainland as with Hong Kong, then we will, uh, we're more than happy to work with this existing partner. Um, we have our own sort of set of TPs in HK also. So if you want to make a switch or uh, have another partner or entertain um, another um, set of services from this HK partner, that is also okay. So from the part of the platform, we have no preference. Um, the only preference I, I suppose is it would be great if this partner has already operated with uh, some sort of Tmall store or Tmall system and it's yeah, yeah, like sure. they have. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And okay, Julia, I sorry, I'm going to have to cut you off there because there's a few more questions. Yeah, okay. if we, if we, if we, we might come back to you if we've got more. Uh, there was a suggestion from Robert, which is, can you provide a QR code for the Tmall Hong Kong app? What I can do is maybe I'll send a, a if you haven't got something there, I can send a, a, a link at the end to, to thank people, et cetera, if, if you want to do it. I mean, it's just basically it's downloading Tabao from any app store. Is that right? Yeah. The first step is to download uh, the Tabao app. Yes, for sure. Which is on the Hong Kong app store. Okay. So there's a question here. Let me see the next, the next one. Um, Nicole. Oh, no, sorry. Nicola. Nicola de Loisy. Your question. My question is a, is a triple question. <laughs> Who pays for the returns? Is it free returns or is it paid by the customer? The returns. Um, the re when you have a return as of today, that fee is paid for by the consumer. Okay. And uh, do, you, do you know how many returns you have in China already? And how many returns do you expect in Hong Kong in percentage of the deliveries? The return rate is very different from uh, category to category. Okay, Nic okay. Nicola, I can't, I'm not going to allow you to the third one because I, I cut Julia off, so it's unfair. Um, let's go to Nicole. Nicole, mm, uh, you have a question. Yeah. Uh, can vendors implement their terms and conditions for the return or is subject to the policy from Timor? The seven day carefree. Uh, yeah, so we are pretty adamant about uh, implementing that return policy in place. Because um, we sell uh, electronics, right? So it's expensive. Uh, we were thinking that once a customer unseal the box, then it becomes um, much cheaper in the market. So I'm just wondering if we can actually um, like, you know, put a terms and condition. Uh, yeah, well, we do have a set of legal agreements. So for every merchant that comes on board with us, there is a legal agreement that has to be signed that can possibly be reviewed by the brand and edits um, can be suggested. Um, but uh, in terms of the seven day carefree return policy, that is platform wide and for all merchants. Excellent. Okay, Robert, Robert uh, Allende, you, you have a question about access to China. I don't know if you want to ask that one or if you have another one. 
are you there? I think you're not there. His question was, do they do does a Hong Kong local merchant get access to 1.3 billion mainlanders? But I guess not through Tmall Hong Kong, right? That's going to happen through Taobao. Um, there is. Uh, let me see. We've got a question here from Andrea. Andrea Samba, are you still there? Hi. Um, thanks for doing this, Sharon, as well as Napoleon. I just wanted to ask, what kind of benefits will the merchants get for working with Tmall Hong Kong versus their standalone store or website um, that they already have? Yeah, um, I think for those sort of brands, uh, you can view Tmall Hong Kong as another channel. So uh, a lot of our brands have their own website and we are by any means not saying, you know, sh uh, shut down your own website or whatnot, because we know that for some brands, that's sort of their face on the internet. And when you're ever you're searching and whatnot, the, the first link that pops up is usually a brand site, right? So that's, it serves another purpose for these brands. Um, but for us, because we're a marketplace, we just want to have as many brands as possible to have them all available for our consumers. Um, and so for a lot of brands, it's, it's, a, it's another channel, sort of like when you are having several key accounts of, of, of sales channels, opening up another one. I guess the benefit you have is the traffic, right? The marketplace is always, the appeal has always been that you invest in the traffic and the technology especially in this omni-channel side of things. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of uh, brands or have clients or partners I've worked with who use the marketplace like in Tmall to build up the traffic. And then once they've got some good repeat buyers, they move them across to their own direct consumer website or mini app or whatever it is, right? So there's, like you said, it's multi-channel. Um, I'm gonna move on to uh, Aline Konus. Are you there, Aline? Are you there, Aline? Am I pronouncing it properly? Aline Konus? Yes, hi. hi. Hi, please ask your question. It's a good one. Uh, hi, my question was just, um, are you going? To, are you planning to open a luxury corner or a luxury mall within the mall in Hong Kong? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's very possible that we will do it. Today, when we open, we will not have something like that. But um, from what we have observed so far and what brands, type of brands, that Hong Kong consumers want, especially in the fashion space. Um, a luxury corner or a luxury pavilion in, in the mainland is definitely um, uh, in the talks. Okay. Do you see, talking about luxury, do you see, is this not gonna open up a can of worms and you're gonna have lots of arbitrage between Hong Kong and China? I mean, there's always this, there's always the issue of, especially on luxury of taxes. I know that's really come down. But do you not, I mean, Hong Kong is full of entrepreneurial people that like to smuggle things across the border. Uh, so do you not see this as being a opening can of worms? I mean, in terms of, you know, pricing that's on Hong Kong Tmall and pricing that's on Tmall Global, et cetera? Um, yes and no. Um, we, we, at the end of the day, want to provide a set of tools for people to do business. Um, if it so happens that somebody entrepreneurial um, notices, oh, there's a price arbitrage that we can um, create, then they will, they, they will, they will be there. It's, it's something that's very hard for us to stop um, because it's 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 brands' own flagship stores. They decide on the pricing. We do not have um, a certain order on, oh, it has to be a certain price for the Hong Kong marketplace, and then it has to be a certain price for the mainland market. 
um, that's sort of out of our control. Because there's always an issue with brands about but price parity, note. right? <laughs> price parity is always the issue. Um, and then from a, I guess, um, I'm wondering also from, you know, we're talking about control, is the kind of one of the, one of the sales pitches you have on your website is brand authenticity, right? I mean, I know when I bought stuff from Tabar, it looks great and then it turns up and it rusts within the month or whatever. So what, how are you going to, you know, is it the fact it's being bought from Hong Kong automatically means it's more authentic? Not, not necessarily, right? What, what systems, procedures will you have in place to guarantee the authenticity of products? Um, our preference to work with brands. So most often we will be working with the brand directly. So when you're opening a store, part of the um, papers that you have to give us is not only uh, do we need to see a copy of your BR document, your CI document, but we also need to see a trademark proof. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually part of the mini team to assess every um, application. Um, and so they're very strict with that, um, where the owner of their trademark has to be the same as the, um, as the BR or CI that is given to us. And if it isn't, um, we are, you are perhaps a designated distributor for that brand in the HK market that we do accept, we will allow, but we will need to see some sort of brand authorization letter signed by the brand with the brand's stamp um, coming from the mother HQ of the brand for us to allow a certain brand's flagship to be opened. Very nice. Um, Julia, I'm going to come back to you. I'm sorry I rudely cut you off before, but no other questions have come in. So please ask the other one. I have a question about the listing costs. When I open up Timor Global Flagship Store, I have listing costs. Um, so when I have a Timor um, Hong Kong store, then will these costs appear again? Or can it be connected with the other Timor Global shop? How is this done? Yeah. So listing fee right now is set at 10,000 HKD annually. And um, a deposit is also in place and it's also at 10,000 HKD. So those are um, both uh, fees uh, from an annual perspective. Uh, the deposit is sort of collected at, at one time. And then uh, the next piece is the commission. So the only mm -hmm. other fee is the commission and it varies. So food right now is at around 5%, fashion is at 8 uh, furniture and houseware is at seven electronics. I heard somebody was in electronics earlier. That's at four. So they're, they're, they're varying, uh, depending yeah. on the category. And the taxes and everything, is that the same like cross-border taxes then lower level or, um, how is this? We currently don't have anything that's sort of platform wide in terms from a tax perspective. Okay. 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 I'm going to have to cut you off there. So, uh, Nicola, you did have another, uh, I think you had another question. So do you want to come back and ask your other question unless somebody else has another one? Yes, please. Uh, do you ask merchants for exclusivity to be present on Timon? That means exclusive mm. with you and not on other platforms? No, no, definitely not. Okay, thank yeah. you. So um, Gershom has said, how do you sign up? So, uh, 
Sharon and I were trying to work out, you know, how we could benefit from this. So we've decided we're going to come up with an NFT, right? I don't know how we turn this conversation into an NFT, but Sharon I is. Figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to figure it out. So if any of you have an idea, Sharon and I are going to create an NFT, which will be your gateway to uh, to Timor Hong Kong. But there is, uh, and I shared some links in the in this. I'm not an agent for for Timor in any way. I do this to build the community. So one thing. I do ask of you is that you go to join the Web Wednesday community in exchange for the effort I've put into putting this together, which hasn't cost you a penny. So I would, I would ask you to go and sign up, join our community. We have a lot of these things uh, going on. I've always wanted to show people, you know, how Hong Kong pioneers and these types of things. So I will share a link uh, with you guys, but there's a, probably the best community to join is the one on uh, LinkedIn, where you will also find Sharon. Um, right. Are there any more questions? Um, no. So Sharon, I just wanted to see, so we're, we're like in 2021 now, right? Um, firstly, when are you coming to Hong Kong? Because you're in, you're in Hangzhou now, right? Uh, we'll see. Hopefully we'll mid-May. I'm not sure. Mid-May. Excellent. Whenever, whenever that quarantine policy is, is, uh, is gone. <laughs> Secondly, where do you see, you know, I mean, you know, e-commerce, the thing about Hong Kong is it takes a while for us to get the machine going. Now that the whole market's kind of really heating up, where do you see it being, you know, in, in I don't know, 2025? 20, what do you predict will be the... What do you predict will be the, the environment here in 2025? Uh, and specifically for Hong Kong or in general? Yeah, uh, well, you can expand it if you want. I mean, uh, your responsibility for the moment is just Hong Kong or you have a wider responsibility? Uh, my role actually covers several other places um, because of the BU that I'm in covers. So, so we're basically overseas Taobao users. So, so all of those places. So God, you must be busy. Hong, Kong, Hong Kong specifically is just a more local to local play. And that's why all mm. of our time and attention is, uh, going all in Hong Kong at the moment. Um, in terms of, um, the future for 2025, well, I think from a consumer's perspective, we simply wish for them to have a, uh, a good and trusted experience when they're shopping on Tmall. Uh, first and foremost is we want them to um, uh, explore the, their site and we hope to fulfill a lot of their needs via our platform. So we're going to be working a lot on uh, in Chinese gongji or uh, the, the supply part of it. Okay. Um, from an innovation perspective, um, live streaming is definitely something that is on the roadmap um, because that is just what we're noticing in terms of uh, where consumers are shopping. So even if you're looking at uh, mainland shoppers, where they're shopping compared to before, a lot of these transactions are now happening in live stream rooms. So we predict that interactive experience will eventually migrate to Hong Kong and for that to heat up uh, in Hong Kong also. And then the omni-channel piece. So as I was saying earlier, the blend of the offline and online environment where sometimes the, the offline environment is, is an extension of the online store or vice versa. 
um, and for uh, the consumer experience to be a lot more seamless when they go from one to the other. Excellent. Well, thank you. Do you do you have one last thing? Is is there a Tmall like .hk website, or what's the simplest thing that people can remember? I've sent some links in the chat, but yeah. I wonder is is there a is there a, you know somebody had asked I, I forgot somebody is asking do you have information in English which obviously in a, in a kind of global market like Hong Kong is quite important, but um, is that, will there be a site that people go and check out and stuff? In fact, in Hong Kong, yeah, you need to have I a site in French. French. I think French <laughs> is the most dominant language at the is moment. It, <laughs> um, in, in retail anyway. Yeah, especially for, for fa luxury fashion brands. like Yeah, luxury like. fashion, cosmetics um, and cheese. Yeah. Um, Cheese is a, is a very good product category that we do want to develop. <laughs> um, so if you sell cheese, do let me know. Um, uh, yes, we, we do have a website. However, it is largely in traditional Chinese. So if you require a lot of the, the, the English half of it, uh, you can let me know via... Um, I'll be inside the LinkedIn group, the link that was posted. Yeah. Um, just now, and or you can just search my my first and last name on LinkedIn if you need to get in touch with me directly. Okay, I think um, Nicolas was waving his finger, so that either means that he's French and he likes cheese, or he has one final question. If it's a final yeah, question, yes. it better be a good one. Yes, if you if you sell food on Timor Hong Kong, how are you going to how are you going to manage the seven days returns? <laughs> Uh, whether we can return food. Well, actually, it's still it's still doable. I mean, of course, we we our policies are very stringent towards people that are trying to game the system. That is definitely not to be allowed. Um, but if we're talking about a I don't know, a, 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 a can of food that was purchased and then somebody decided to return it. It will be allowed. Absolutely. Yeah, it is allowed to be returned. Yeah, I mean, I think under COVID here, you know, obviously a lot of canned food and things like that and wine, wine, the wine category has really taken off and dried foods. There's a lot of Chinese dried foods and things like that. But uh, time is up and I wanted to really thank you for uh, making time, Sharon, and for being so open. It's a real pleasure to talk to somebody in a big corporate that if you're American, usually there's too much spin and you can't get any facts out of the person. Uh, and it's glad, I'm glad that they've let you out there and to talk to us. It's been uh, you know, very enjoyable uh, and very eye-opening. I'm sure you would have won a lot of admirers in this call and they will be ready to buy that NFT when we put it out to the market, okay? <laughs> otherwise, the, otherwise, they're gonna contact you as merchants. But anyway, thank you all for joining. and. Uh, what I will do is this has been recorded. I'll put it up on our, our SoundCloud channel and send you all the link. But thanks, Sharon. See you here. Great. Great to meet everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Napoleon, for putting it together. You're welcome. Bye-bye.